Amen. What a, what a beautiful reminder. We walk by faith, not by sight, and uh, the joy, the gifts of grace we have in Christ Jesus. But uh, good morning. It is good to be with you. Uh, again, guests that are with us, we hope you feel at home here in our Messiah family. So delighted to have any guests with us, those who call Messiah home and family, those joining us online. We just counted a joy to be together together today. And uh, normally at this time, I would be inviting somebody up to read scripture for us to set the, the story for the day. And I'll, I'll assure you that we are going to hear from God's word, but not just hear it. We're going to see it. We'll, we'll have a, a video, kind of a rendition of this beautiful story. But before we get there, um, we are, as Pastor Dustin said, we're wrapping up a sermon series, an eight-week series that we've been looking at joining Jesus on his mission. And, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. Uh, it has been a blessing to me, I know, to so many just that God is messing with us in a beautiful way, getting us to join him on that mission of redemption. But today is not only wrapping up a sermon series, but today is Reformation edition. Um, it is also a day we celebrate um, the joy of the Reformation. And again, I'm going to weave that together into this, uh, to this story a little bit. But um, let's pray and we'll get into God's word today. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together in your house and for this time of worship where you meet us right here and you bless us as only you can. And so, Lord, grant us your grace. Uh, allow us, Lord, to overflow into the lives of those around us, but, but move in us mightily, Lord. Guide us by your spirit and just help us rejoice in how you meet us in this life and you fill us with living water. And so, Lord, bless us to that end. And each and every day we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, I'm going to be turning your attention in just a few moments. I'm going to set the stage a little bit to the screens, and we're going to watch uh, a rendition of a time in Jesus' ministry recorded for us in John chapter 4. Again, I think this is a beautiful moment. It's an amazing encounter that takes place in that, the, that ministry of Jesus. But I have a question that I want you to be thinking about throughout the rest of this message, just something to bounce around in your, in your hearts and in your minds. And here's the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Okay? And I don't mean that by uh, what career or career change do you want or uh, pursuing the American dream. I think maybe even a better way to state it would be what kind of person do you want to be when you grow up? And the reason I ask this question is important. Because in John chapter 4, the, the woman that, that Jesus meets, uh, again, I can tell you I want to become like she was after meeting Jesus. And I pray that today uh, that you will too, and, and it will make sense to you. But let me again lay a little bit of groundwork before we uh, watch the video of this particular story. Um, the story takes place when Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Galilee, and I'll put a map up in front of you. They're, they're on their way from Jerusalem into Galilee. They have to pass through Samaria. Uh, you can kind of see where Samaria is in this basic map uh, in the, what we would consider the nation of Israel right now. And so, uh, but anyway, so they're on their way out uh, up to this, and they have to pass through this little town of Sychar. And, uh, and so, again, uh, the question is, why would this story particularly be the one I would choose to wrap up this sermon series on joining Jesus on his mission? Or why would I choose this story of Jesus meeting this woman at the well? Um, for Reformation Day, and, the, and I think the answer is simple, because this story at the heart of it, the heart of this story is about encountering the life-changing, transforming power of grace 
through Christ Jesus. And in fact, the heart of Reformation and the heart of joining Jesus on his mission, the series that we've been on, again, is that very same life-changing, transforming power of grace in Christ Jesus. Now, I love some of you, how many of you have been watching The Chosen? How many of you have been, okay, number of hands. I love how The Chosen depicts this particular story in John chapter 4. Now, they take some, some license with it, but it sticks pretty close to, to Scripture, but I love how they set it up. But again, let me just give you a few more details before I turn your attention to the screens. This was a very controversial story. And the reason for this is simple, that the Jews and the Sumerians did not get along. The Samaritans and Jews, they didn't talk to each other. The, the Samaritans uh, thought the Jews looked down on them, everything. And so this was a, a very controversial story because, first of all, you wouldn't have a Jew asking a, a Samaritan woman for a favor. That was unheard of, not even talking to them. I mean, that was unheard of too, but to especially ask them for a favor. But then there's even something more scandalous is Jesus is a rabbi. He's a teacher of Torah. And in that day and age, a, a, a rabbi didn't teach women, and it's just something about the culture, didn't teach women Torah, much less a Samaritan woman. So this is a very controversial story. It takes place right about noon. And, uh, and again, what happened normally in the town is the ladies in the early morning hours when it was still cool outside, groups of women would go to the well to get the water for the day. And it was more than just about going to the well for water. This was a social event. This was an opportunity for the ladies to get together and chat and talk and encourage one another. But unless you were the one that was uninvited, unless you were the one that was cast aside, if you didn't belong, then you would go to the well at noon when there was no one else there. You know, I think if there were commentators there, they would have, if there was an audience, they would have said, hey, this is a train wreck that was just has all the markings of a train wreck getting ready to happen. You got a, a, a woman by herself, a Samaritan woman at the well. You have this group of Jewish men approaching quickly, and it's like almost like let's cue the ominous music that should be going on. But here's the thing, Jesus isn't about train wrecks. Jesus is about transformation, and he is getting ready here to pour out his grace on a totally unexpecting woman. I want to turn your attention to the screens. This is from The Chosen. Let's watch how this story unfolds. Would you give me a drink? You hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask her to drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon in the heat. You have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I, I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I 
unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Wood. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband, then come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him, even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from. Or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <sighs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me, I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. 
To this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? <laughs> I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promise? I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> You forgot your um. Rabbi, we've got food. What would you like? Ah, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Who got you food? <laughs> still gets me every time I watch it. I, we've been asking throughout this series, has Jesus been messing with you in a beautiful way, in a good way? And in this story here, I see Jesus messing with in the most beautiful way, a woman who is truly hurting, truly broken, and needing God's grace. And then we see the ripple effects we see how her life changes and how it changes the, the, the people uh, in, in her hometown. Here, it starts, uh, this, what I love about this story is that not only is one life transformed, but many are. But it starts with one. One person's encounter with Jesus. One encounter with saving grace. One life so overflowing with living water that everyone around her gets drenched. But you know what for me even makes it more deep and even makes it personal, I think, for myself as I look at this story is the beauty of unexpected grace. Here's a woman, think about this. She woke up that morning believing it was just another ordinary day in her lonely life. Another day of the same routines of shame that she had adopted because she had been cast out by her community. But this was not going to be any normal day. She had a divine appointment that she was completely unaware of. 
and her life would never be the same again. She didn't go off to the, to the well at noon to be found by Jesus or anyone. I mean, she went out to avoid people. I'm guessing for her, when there were people around, they would just remind her of how messed up her life was. She said, I don't, I don't need someone else to come out here and judge me and ridicule me. Here's a woman who is physically, relationally, and spiritually suffering and alone. She had been rejected. She had been, uh, again, in her day and age, it was maybe okay for a woman to be married two times, maybe three times if their, one, their husband had been taken from them for, through death or through some other appropriate reason. But here she's been married five times. And the man she's living with is not her husband now. And, and again, I think this, this wasn't about promiscuity. I think it was about security. She had to survive. She needed a roof over her head. She needed food. She needed the basic needs that women in that day and age, they couldn't provide for themselves. You know, I, I just, we can speculate about what all was happening, but the thing we know for sure is she was broken and alone and needing healing. But I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to think about it from your perspective, from your life. Think about the impact of guilt and shame in your life. I mean, isn't that the way of guilt and shame? Isn't it even the, the desire of Satan himself to isolate us, to separate us out through, again, guilt and shame? And then in those dark places of loneliness, there breeds despair and hopelessness, and then despair and hopelessness cause us to seek more isolation. It's just a downward spiral. But like this woman, in this beautiful story, this wasn't going to be just a normal day in misery. Jesus finds her. And through his gift of grace, he transforms her. He reforms her life through grace. Again, she would never be the same. And the beautiful news for you and I sitting here today is Jesus' mission to redeem the world is still going on. He still seeks us out when through guilt and shame we want to isolate. He still comes and finds us when we sit alone in darkness and he invites us in into a real relationship with him into a real relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ. And he fills us with hope. He rescues us from darkness. Jesus offers, like to her, to you and I, he offers that living water. So just like the woman who would no longer need to, to see her identity being found in her guilt and shame, now her identity is firmly found in God's gift of amazing grace. And because of this, she would no longer need to see herself through the eyes of judgment of other people or even herself, judging her own life, but she could see herself through the eyes of her Savior. Now, again, I said I'm going to weave just a little bit of reformation into this, and I just want to take a moment to think about it because in a, in a very similar fashion uh, to the woman's life, Martin Luther was also in a state of isolation because of guilt and shame. I mean, he, in a way, he had isolated himself because he was constantly trying to figure it out. How do I make myself worthy enough to be in God's presence? 
He had been taught that God was angry and vindictive and judgmental and all of these things. In fact, there are even stories about Luther physically beating his own body body in order to make himself uh, uh, worthy to be in God's presence. And so, again, he needed to be rescued. He needed to have an encounter with the real Jesus, not the one he had been taught about. He needed Jesus to find him and fill him with living water. Again, in a a very uh, real way, Luther was going to the well of God's word on a regular basis. The problem is he had been taught to use his own bucket and rope, his own strength, his own abilities, his own wisdom, and it was only in that moment when through Scripture he realized that it is only Jesus. It is only his gift of grace that brings living water, that brings real grace. Then he had been rescued. Again, like this woman, both the woman at the well and I would say Martin Luther himself, both of them encountered the Savior. Lives were completely changed and they both joined Jesus on his mission of redemption in the world. Because of the the Reformation, you and I sitting here today, we still celebrate that gift of grace. I mean, Luther would go on to write and preach and talk about this justification by grace through faith alone, meaning that you and I can't fix ourselves. We can only through the grace of Jesus Christ and not on any merit or any worthiness of our own, only through his grace can we be brought into a real relationship with him. Only through Jesus do we have forgiveness and eternal life. But you know, long before Luther, there were other kinds of reformations. And in fact, one of them was in this town of Sychar, in which Jesus and his disciples find themselves. And that reformation in this town, I love it. As we think about Reformation Day, we can think about reformation that happened because of the witness of one woman reforming an entire town. The woman whose name you and I don't know, the side of heaven, who was changed by grace. The result was she joyfully, I love in the the video, she runs back. She's got a bounce in her step. There's joy exuding from her. She goes back as she's joining Jesus on that mission to share the good news she had found in Jesus. Now again, I asked you at the beginning of the message, Who do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, maybe a better wording of that is what kind of person do you want to be? For me, as I look at a story like this in John chapter 4, as I look at all the craziness going on in the world around me, I want to live like this woman after her encounter with Jesus. I want to be like her, joyfully, joyfully sharing Jesus because I tell you what, for me, and this would be true for you too, that we have been found by Christ. He has met us in the midst of our lives. He has brought us that living water, that real grace. And now he says, let that joy exude to those around you. After the meeting with Jesus, she encountered this this real gift of grace she leaves behind her water jars and they empty onto the ground. I look at that as almost symbolic. She's leaving behind all the empty things of this world that had let her down every single day. And now she runs back, 
filled to overflowing with living water. She runs back to her neighborhood, but not just to a neighborhood, to a neighborhood who had rejected her, who had cast her out. She goes to those people, and she shares with everyone and invites them to come and listen, to meet Jesus. Now, what's the result? This is where I'm going to wrap it up today. I love it when God records the result. He thinks it's pretty important, so I want to share it with you. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to put them on the screen so you can look at John chapter 4. I want you to look at verse 28 if you do have your Bibles open because we get to see what happens as a result of this this woman joyfully running back to to her hometown of Sychar. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and she said to the people, come and see the man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? There's an important thing here. She didn't become a biblical scholar like that. She's still trying to make sense of this deep joy she has in meeting Jesus. But here's the result. They, the people of town, went out of the town, and they were coming to him, Jesus. But but God says, let me tell you more about what happens. If you jump down to verse 39, many of the Samaritans, because of the witness of this one woman, came to know and believe in Jesus. She says, he told me everything I've ever done. They go out to the well and they invite Jesus. The people of the town go and say, would you come stay with us? And it says he stayed with them for two days. And here's again the result. And many more believed because of his word. And I love this part because it almost sounds like they're welcoming her back in. I'd like to think that they did. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For now we've heard it for ourselves. And we know. We know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. Just like her. I would say just like Martin Luther. You and I have been transformed by Jesus through his gifts of grace. Now you and I are filled with the living water of holy baptism. We just witnessed it again here today. We we are sustained by the Lord's Supper that we came up to, to receive together. We're sustained by keeping in his word. Again, on this Reformation Sunday, and as we wrap up this series of joining Jesus on his mission, as Pastor Dustin said, the journey continues. We get to continue following and joining Jesus on his mission to redeem the world. It happens in the everyday places of life. Because think about this. Every day, you get to wake up. You get to wake up knowing that Jesus himself has given you a new identity. And he has filled you with a hope like none other. Every day, we get to know And wake up and see the world through Jesus' eyes. And in fact, he even says this when the disciples are asking him about this conversation with the woman. It's recorded in verse 35. Jesus says, why was I doing it? Well, I'll tell you what, friends, look. I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. The town of Sakar needed her. The people of your community and your neighborhood need you. As we have said, something good will come as we join Jesus on his mission. Next week and through the month of November, we're going to dig into and explore the book of Ruth. But I tell you what, joining Jesus on his mission continues each and every day because people need Jesus. 
So you and I get to, we get to run away from the well, just bounce in our step, just so much living water flowing out of us that we drench the people around us as we share the hope and the life-changing gift of unexpected grace, just as she experienced, so you and I have too. And may God use us powerfully. May he use us to grow his kingdom and to share that hope with people who need rescue. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.